Seriously, where do you begin to understand what's happening in the last 18 months? Life in this world is beginning to look like the director's cut of Lord of the Rings. Indescribable torment, tyranny, and it just never ends. Okay, let's take a moment. Separate fact from Hollywood. For that, you need the truth. DNN, the Truth News Network. And Dan Newman. Honestly, pretty much everything we need to touch on today... It actually includes Hollywood. It includes all of us, every American. Doesn't matter what your skin color is, your political affiliation, your religious affiliation. If you're inside the border of the United States, and when I say border, I mean all the way around, all four sides, what we talk about today, pretty much every day, concerns you. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. My goodness, the world is full of new things, new drama every single day. And it is illustrated best by watching this administration led by this president, watching how feckless this administration is on pretty much everything, except one thing taking Americans' taxpayer dollars and spending it and racking up a total debt for the nation that's now over $31 trillion. This president, to be honest with you, everything he's doing, he starts at this point. We got to get our hands on money. We got to spend money. Well, Mr. President, we don't have money in the bank. Well, go borrow some more money. And that's what it That's what's been going on. You know it. You watch it just like I do. Now, I want to start with this. The article published at the homepage of truthnewsnet.org today is titled, How Feckless is the Biden Administration? So pretty much what you're going to hear in the front part of the show today is all about that. Now, I'm not going to waste your time giving you example after example of this president's horrendous policy decisions. You know them. You know them all too well. So which of his implemented plans, his policies, and legislation are the worst in your mind? There are a few that everybody shares with you. What are they? Inflation, high prices on everything, shortages of almost everything, illegal aliens flooding across our southern border from who knows where, those same illegals bringing in enough fentanyl to kill every American three times over, and did I mention inflation, inflation, inflation? Now forget about the election crud that's going on. Those that I just mentioned to you are probably at least in your top ten of bad things that are happening in this administration. The Biden administration's been embarrassed, shamed, harassed by members of the conservative media outlets for the better part of 18 months now. You can't turn on your cable news, go to any conservative news website, or even tune into one of the radio talk shows and not hear news every day that piles on the already mountain of Biden faux pas. That's French for boo-boos. However, the latest Biden horror is about to strike us all, and it's going to dwarf what we've seen so far. Biden proudly kneecapped the fossil fuel sector of the American policy. 
And he did that on day one as president. And as of yesterday, we are producing 3 million barrels of oil daily, less than we were the day of Joe's inauguration. Do you remember when he complained to the oil tycoons that we needed to reduce our production of oil? He actually did that. He chastised them, and he continues to. Of course, what he was referencing was his grandiose Green New Deal that would, with a simple flip of the Biden renewable energy switch, pollution would dissipate overnight. I know you think I'm kidding, but I think that was in his head. So yesterday, as we always do here, we stay up on the news, and that means we go to news sites and news network broadcasts to find out what the other folks are saying. I saw something that shocked me to my toes. Biden's in-the-pocket cable television network, CNN, went after the president. Oh my gosh, CNN is saying things that are negative to President Biden. That can't happen. So, in honor of the final media beatdown of Joe Biden, I published today, on the front page of truthnewsnet.org, I published that CNN story that rocks the world, maybe just the first death nail in this presidency. So, let me just say this, don't expect any more CNN stories here, unless they blast Joe or Nancy. Let me just give you one little take from the article. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do the whole thing. I mean, you can go read it. Many of you probably already have. So here's the segment that I pulled out of it that uh, it just kind of shocked me. Let's see, let me go back to it and find it. For the past several days, Biden's senior most energy, economic, and foreign policy officials were enlisted to lobby their foreign counterparts in Middle Eastern allied countries, including Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, to vote against cutting their oil production. Wednesday's production cut yesterday amounts the largest cut since the beginning of the pandemic and could lead to a dramatic spike in oil prices. Some of the draft talking points circulated by the White House to the Treasury Department on Monday said that they were obtained by CNN framed the prospect of a production cut as a total disaster and warned that it could be taken as a hostile act. It's important everyone is aware of just how high the stakes are. That was coming from a U.S. official of what was framed as broad administration effort that is expected to continue in the lead-up to the Wednesday OPEC Plus meeting they had yesterday. The White House, this is from CNN, the White House is having a spasm and panicking. That's from another U.S. official describing this latest administration effort as taking the gloves off. So according to a White House official, the talking points were being drafted and exchanged by staffers and not approved by White House leadership or used with foreign partners. Remember that, that line. In a statement to CNN, National Security Council spokesperson Adrian Watson said this, We've been clear that energy supply should meet demand to support economic growth and lower prices for consumers around the world. Duh! 
And we will continue to talk with our partners about that. For Biden, a dramatic cut in oil production could not come at a worse time. The administration has for months engaged in an intensive domestic and foreign policy effort to mitigate soaring energy prices in the wake of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. That work appeared to pay off with U.S. gas prices falling for almost 100 days in a row. But with just one more month to go before the political, critical midterm elections, gas prices are going up again, posing a political risk to the White House, and the White House is desperately trying to avoid it. As U.S. officials have moved to gauge potential domestic options to head off gradual increases over the last several weeks, the news of major OPEC-plus action presents a particularly acute challenge. Okay, CNN is going after Joe Biden. That is the news in this story. Now, Joe Biden has been reaching out to a bunch of other countries. And pretty much, folks, any country that produces any kind of oil products that he thinks we can get our hands on. (laughs) He's being nice to them now. So let me just wrap this segment up. Here's the skinny from me. A real leader would have had all the ducks in a row necessary to allow our lives as Americans to roll on with as few blips as possible in his switch-flipping to renewable energy process. Stop drilling here. Have a country or two lined up to export the needed oil. Make grandiose commitments about a deadline to end fossil fuel automobiles to be replaced with electric autos. Make sure the date you give is possible, given that a massive nationwide infrastructure project would need to be completed to make it possible to charge millions of electric vehicles every day. If he had done that, maybe, just maybe, he would have had a shot of completing a transition, or at least getting one started. Do you remember that lie that Circle Back told the media when confronted with our supply chain issues? We started working on them even before the inauguration, she said. We have a plan to take care of that. That, my friends, is part of our oil problem, getting it over here from wherever it is. Where's their plan that they put together that Circle Back told us about? And then there's Mayor Pete. He told us all to just go out and purchase an $80,000 electric vehicle and start bypassing gas stations. We'll never have to purchase gas again. Um, Let me ask you this, Mr. Secretary of Transportation. What's your plan to eliminate 289 million gas guzzlers that roam our streets today every day and replace them with 289 million electric vehicles. You know there's no plan. Now, Joe is PO'd at OPEC. He wanted them to replace the 3 million barrels of oil here that we're short of every day since uh, Joe Biden canceled the XL pipeline. It's reported that experts on the president's staff 
have been working with the OPEC Plus operators to fill that gap. Well, it was no surprise that OPEC Plus told our president yesterday to go pound sand. They're not ponying up that 3 million barrels we're short. They're not going to do it. In fact, they announced they're reducing their world oil production. So, we'll be short the oil that they're selling us now. Oh, by the way, Russia announced yesterday they're reducing their production as well. So where does that leave us? Where do we go? I'm just going to guess, but I see something that a couple of experts that I reached out to confirmed to me. I see oil jumping quickly to about $130 a barrel. And they say it's going to go all the way up to $175 to $180 a barrel. So if that happens, how will it impact you? So we here, we did a little research using the factoring used by oil and gas experts, the cost per gasoline per gallon, if oil gets to that $175 a barrel, which it will, the cost per gallon of gas is going to be $6 and a quarter, $6.25 a gallon. So don't get too excited and think, oh, I can live with that. $6.25 a gallon, that's the projected cost of the gasoline alone. So how much is that? Well, let's look at California. Taxes and fees vary from state to state. California, always one of the most expensive places to fill up your car, they add onto the actual price of gasoline that we came up with, $6.25. They add to that, they add to that, 81 cents a gallon in taxes and fees. But you're not finished yet. Every gas retailer in the nation has got to pay 18.4 cents per gallon in federal excise tax. So let me do the math for you. This is just in California. Californians will pay just over $7.24 a gallon. $7.24 a gallon. And when is this probably going to happen, Dan? Well, let me tell you what Joe Biden's plan is. Let me tell you what all of the Biden administration experts, what their plan is. Do anything and everything they can to stop this big boom on gas price until after the midterms. Everything is about politics. Now, you may say this, Dan, we'll have to adjust and find some ways to pay it. And certainly it's not going to happen soon. We'll have time to prepare. Wrong. Wrong. It's starting up today. Now, it won't get to the top numbers immediately, but gas at the pump is going to increase in price quickly. And I predict that by Thanksgiving, we'll see high and maybe higher numbers than that $7.24 a gallon. So what should you and I do about this? Honestly, we can't do a thing. We. Honestly, it could have been fixed before the inauguration if Circleback had pushed to get a transition plan from who? The president. For this transition away from fossil fuel. 
She, if she was a good manager and a good forward thinker, she would have seeded that concept, pounded it into the head of every American to stop any of the consternation we are each and every one experiencing today. But she didn't do it. And you know why she didn't do it? Biden has no plan at all. I know he doesn't. If he did, he'd give it to us. I see only one way to get a possible slow increase in price. Biden should today have a summit with America's oil CEOs and negotiate at least a 10-year plan phasing towards renewable energy. But instead of blaming and cursing these fossil fuel companies in America that employ several hundred thousand Americans. You know, by the way, they had us down below $2 a gallon two years ago. (laughs) He should meet with them and negotiate a 10-year plan to make that move and include them in that plan. He should immediately issue lease permits, drilling permits for all the lands that the climate activists have not covered in their, I don't know how many lawsuits the environmentalist has put out there, but we got to put a temporary hold on that. He should guarantee in writing that the federal government will not take any punitive actions against fossil fuel companies unless and until there is sufficient infrastructure with electric vehicle production to facilitate a real transition. Oh, and the sales price of these electric vehicles, they got to be realistic for Americans to switch. And none of it will work. None of it until there is a massive across the board infrastructure power grid upgrade to accommodate it all. If they try to do it the way it is now, We'll have blackouts and brownouts every day in every big city in America. Short of that, I see no way out of this total pandemonium for all Americans that Joe Biden has created. And we're almost there today. Fear of the unknown, and I'm not telling you anything new, it's the fear of the unknown is the worst fear there is. And right now, almost every American is afraid that Joe Biden is driving the U.S. off the road, through a ditch, into a forest full of bears, wolves, and even COVID-19. Oh, and Vladimir Putin. By the way, Biden is the only president I can remember not being able to cut a deal with OPEC. He flopped. They basically, in a nice way, raised their finger up and gave him the middle finger yesterday. Why would they do that? Maybe they don't like Joe. Just saying. Well, yesterday in Los Angeles, gas prices hit a record high, $6.50. Why would that happen? (laughs) It was from the announcement yesterday that the OPEC Plus nations intend to restrict production by 2 million barrels a day. That's prompted fears of more price hikes to come, and they're coming. Biden, what's he doing? Where's he going? Well, before we do that, we need to listen to some of the folks that weigh in and kind of uh, kind of like we do here, but on a national basis, 
they're kind of pointing fingers at Joe Biden about the way he's handling all this. Stuart Varney, born in the UK. He is an American citizen. Fox News, Business Channel. I like him. He has the ability to put facts together and give an analysis when he weighs in on any particular issue. And it doesn't take all day to do it. Here's what Stewart had to say. About two hours ago, OPEC Plus opened its first in-person meeting in two years. Oil ministers from around the world got the urgent call on Saturday. Hey, get over to Vienna fast. You need to be here for this. In the middle of a war and global energy crisis, this meeting is a very big deal. And oh yes, it is a big deal. They have agreed to cut oil production 2 million barrels a day. This is certainly an embarrassment for President Biden. He'd begged the Saudis to increase oil output. But at this meeting, they're going to cut big time. They want the price to go up, and it is going up. And that's another problem for the president. He'd taken credit when gas prices went down, but now that prices are rising again, the White House blames Putin. Before that, he blamed the oil companies. Before that, it was gas station owners. Come on. What will he say when the price of gas, now at 3.83 a gallon, goes to four bucks? And it probably will. It's already well above five bucks in Oregon, 5.47. Nevada, 5.53. Washington State, 5.34. And in California, oh, will you look at this? Six dollars and 42 cents on average for regular in the formerly Golden State. Those on your screen, they're all Democrat states. Years ago, President Obama warned him that voters do not like high gas prices. Well, nor does the economy. Who needs more inflation when things are already slowing down? Two years ago, Trump was president and American energy ran the show. Now we don't. Now we are dependent on OPEC and they're telling the president to get lost. We should rise to the challenge and go get our own energy. But Biden won't do it. He's married to the Greens. I don't think he wants a divorce. (laughs) Uh, How do you think Stuart Varney really feels about what happened there? Well, there's another expert that... uh, I think he sits in an office down the hallway um, from Stuart Varney. Kudlow. This is one of the sharpest economies on the planet. And he has been involved in several other administrations. He knows what he's talking about. He weighed in yesterday on this debacle. So, OPEC Plus went ahead and slashed 2 million barrels a day from production Despite the pathetic entreaties from the Biden administration, the president and his minions went begging, hat in hand, and they got nothing. Because of Mr. Biden's misbegotten, unscientific, hysterical obsession over climate change and his holy jihad against American fossil fuels, we now find ourselves once again dependent on the Middle Eastern oil sheiks. But wait a minute. It's OPEC plus nowadays. That includes Russia. That's another OPEC-Saudi stick in the eye to America, since higher oil prices will help finance Vladimir Putin's war against the Ukraine. In two years, really less than two years, Joe Biden has taken this country from former President Donald Trump's energy independence, or dominance, to a state of energy dependence on our adversaries. We have gone back to the energy stone age. Remember all the great knee-knocking fears surrounding financial markets and the economy in the 1970s, the 80s, the 90s, and the early 2000s, when every OPEC meeting was surrounded by high-drama speculation because the rest of the world feared oil shortages and sky-high prices? As recently as 2008, not so long ago, 
Oil jumped to $150 a barrel, largely because of OPEC. And OPEC price spikes would inevitably lead to high inflation and deep recession. That is the situation Joe Biden's Green New Deal policies have put us into once again. It is a terrible situation. It is an unnecessary situation. It damages our energy security and our national security. You know, only a few Trump years ago, the U.S. was producing slightly more than 13 million barrels a day, outstripping the Saudis and the Russians and everybody else by a wide margin. Our best in the world energy industry was calling the tune on oil and natural gas and gasoline. Now we are whistling in the graveyard. This is what Biden hath wrought. According to the Energy Information Administration, we should be at 14 million barrels a day right now, on our way to 15 million barrels a day by 2024. Instead, despite record high prices, we are at 11.8 million barrels in the last monthly reading this past summer. Again, pre-pandemic, we were over 13 million. So we're about a million and a half barrels short. We're also over a million barrels short of gasoline. All this thanks to Biden's war on fossils. Another point, the Baker Hughes rig count, an indicator of oil and gas drilling, is only 604 today. It was over 800 during the Trump years. That's how our private companies have been forced to cut back because of Biden's war on permitting, drilling, fracking, pipelining, refining, and LNG terminals. Closing the fossil spigots has jeopardized not only the economic welfare of our citizens here at home, but our national security posture abroad. We were an energy powerhouse. Biden now has given that powerhouse title back to OPEC. On top of that, Biden is destroying the Strategic Petroleum Reserve that was originally meant to pitch in its sales during temporary natural disasters and to supply oil during wartime emergencies or OPEC oil embargoes, remember them? Instead, Biden has depleted roughly 50% of SPRO for political election year price fixing to suppress oil gasoline costs at the pump. Here too, the Saudis have outwitted them because by cutting production, the Bidens are gonna have to pay high prices to refill the petroleum reserve, hoisted on their own petard. Ironically, as OPEC moves oil prices in the so-called October surprise and gas prices edge higher, it is the Biden Democrats who are going to pay a price at the polls. And this whole catastrophic scenario is homemade by these global warming central planners who have done so much damage to our economy and to our country. All I can say is, thank goodness the cavalry is coming. Calvary is coming. Well, what's Biden going to do? He went to OPEC. He went to OPEC Plus, which includes Russia. Yesterday, they told him no. In fact, they said not only are we not going to increase our production to help the U.S., we're going to cut production to hurt the U.S. So where does he go? Let me tell you where he's already gone. To Iran. He started there. Iran. Think of that. Iran. And secondly, it leaked out over the weekend, he's talking to Venezuela. Venezuela of all places. 
Let me remind you what happened there. About 20 years ago, Venezuela was listed in the top three wealthiest countries on the planet. Very, very um, conservative country. And the reason they were so wealthy is because of their oil production. The oil reserves underground of Venezuela surpass almost every other oil reserve in the world. Did you know that? And it was a very democratic government that was there. And all of the big major oil companies in the United States partnered with companies in Venezuela. And I mean the big ones, Exxon, Mobil, Chevron, all of them were employing thousands of Venezuelans. And their country was rocking and rolling. And then what happened? All of a sudden, the socialists came in and found a way to get elected to office. And just one day, all of a sudden, front page headlines around the world, Venezuela nationalized all of their oil companies in Venezuela. Now, what does that mean? What did it mean? Basically, it meant get your butts out of here, all you people that are in Uh, the corporate levels with Chevron and Exxon and all of the big major U.S. companies that had invested billions of dollars in infrastructure and employing Venezuelan people. So the government took it over. And when that happened, the beginning of the end, that's what it was. Today, in Venezuela, as you know, Nicolas Maduro is a dictator. He's a thief. He is wanted in countries all around the world, and his government's not even recognized by the United States of America. You can't buy toilet paper in Venezuela today, and I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that. So Joe, probably not personally, but Joe's people are dealing with Maduro's government. Now, what does Biden think about, and what has he said in the past, about Venezuela. Let me just give you some examples. He said this, confronting peaceful protesters with force and in some cases armed militias, limiting freedom of the press and assembly. It's not in line with the solid standards of democracy that we have in most of the Western Hemisphere. The situation in Venezuela reminds me of past times when strong men govern using violence and oppression, human rights, hyperinflation, shortages, and extreme poverty ravage the peoples of the hemisphere. You wasn't finished, but let me just throw this in there. You know what the inflation rate in Venezuela is today? 1,600%. Biden also chastised Maduro, saying he was trying to distract his people from the most important issues that are in play in Venezuela by inventing totally false and outlandish conspiracies about the United States. Instead of that, he should listen to the Venezuelan people and to look to the example of those leaders who resisted oppression in the Americas or risk repeating the injustices they fought against so bravely. First, Maduro has not been engaged in the repression of some supposedly peaceful protesters. He's been attempting to carefully counteract the effects of a full-blown internal war. In order to re-dominate the state, the capitalists have ruthlessly unleashed an economic war consisting of induced inflation, 
orchestrated shortages, a relative decrease of imports with respect to the foreign exchange delivered to the private sector, hoarding by oligopolistic companies that dominate the markets of specific goods and smuggling, mainly to Colombia. Secondly, Maduro's not creating creating conspiracy theories. Imperialism is a frightening reality for innumerable Venezuelans. It was this imperialism that resulted in catapulting Hugo Chavez to power and initiating the Bolivarian Revolution. It was a revolution that tore apart Washington's script, blocked the privatization of the world's largest oil reserves, regained control of the national economy, reduced poverty, overcame illiteracy, questioned media monopolies, enfranchised women, the indigenous, and the oppressed got them, Cuban doctors, to see them for the first time in their lives and raise their levels of nutrition. And then, in perhaps one of his most obnoxious statements, Biden said this, he called Maduro a thug in as recently as October of 2020. A month earlier, he had tweeted, as Juan Guaido, who was a big leader down there, a really good conservative leader, as Juan Guaido speaks about the Venezuelan humanitarian crisis and the crimes against humanity perpetrated by Maduro, I free, I reaffirm, reaffirm my commitment to stand with the Venezuelan people. So that's how he feels about Venezuela today, as we are sitting here today. Biden's people are negotiating with Venezuela to make up for our oil shortages. Real leadership, right? So what is Biden doing? What's he actually doing? Well, he's talking to Iran. He's talking to Venezuela. And now what he's doing is he's griping. This came out. The president is disappointed by the short-sighted decisions by OPEC Plus to cut production quotas while the global economy is dealing with the continued negative impact of Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Everything, everything, everything bad that's happening to you, you got a, uh, a hangnail, it's because of Vladimir Putin, something that he did. Everything is about everybody else in this administration. Joe Biden is a feckless president. And so who's responsible for all this? That statement you just heard is where it starts. But then he starts attacking gasoline retailers. Where you go to buy your gasoline, it's their fault. It's the blame game. Real leaders don't do that. Real leaders lead. They produce plans, and they sell those plans to the populace. And when there's a consensus, they implement the plans, and the plans have details. (laughs) And when you function that way, when you function with plans, the people you're leading know what you're doing at all times. The national average price of regular gas as of yesterday was 383 a gallon 
That's up 26 cents from day before yesterday. That's 66 cents higher than a week ago, 45 cents a month ago. Opus Margin Pro shows retail gas margins, and Joe doesn't understand this, or he's ignoring it. Those people, you know, I gave you the the production number, the actual cost of oil, and then all of the stuff that's added on. You can watch all that happen. And somebody, somebody, everybody that's in between the oil coming out of the ground and getting in the gas pump and getting in your car, it's a very expensive process. And so everybody in that process has got to make a little bit of money to make it worth. Now he's screaming about the gas stations. Opus Margin Pros shows retail gas margins are 18 cents a gallon nationwide. That's down 17 cents in a week, 25 cents in a month, 54 cents a gallon lower than the end of the first quarter. When one considers operating costs, which include little things like labor, credit card fees, and oh, by the way, having a facility where you can put those gas pumps, many of these stores, the retailers that he's damning every day, they're underwater. They're losing money every day. In 2021, the gross margin on gas was 30.9 cents a gallon, or 10.2% of the 303 per gallon average price. In the previous five years, retail margins on gas averaged 27 cents a gallon, which comes to 10.7% of the gas price. And so what does Joe want to do? He wants the American people, the American companies, the American individuals. I'm talking about not just the people that own these service stations that sell you gas and these change chains that sell gas and you've got a convenience store inside Everybody in that has got to be able to put a little bit of money in their pockets to operate their businesses. Under Joe's plan, it's not happening. It's not happening under Joe Biden's administration. And it's not going to happen unless things change. Now, let me just say this, and we're going to finish up on this topic. We're 38 minutes into it. I apologize. But it's information you need to know and understand so you can make decisions on it. These are facts. He could stop this in one phone call. I heard this this morning earlier, late last night, one of the CEOs of one of the big oil companies said, we could stop this in 30 days. We'd be headed back down in dramatic fashion. All we need is a commitment from this president that he's all in. He's all in. If Biden made that phone call, all of this would begin to immediately go away. Why is that? In foresight, the markets react every day economically based upon the policies of the sitting president, whoever that is. Once those policies are outlined, And any company can agree that what they're being told is going to happen. Prices immediately go down. Why? If you're in a big business like that, major oil companies, you don't plan 
You don't operate your company based upon just what's happening in the streets today. You have to look ahead. And people gripe all the time about, well, I heard the price of price of oil, it went down yesterday, 20 cents a gallon, and the place where I buy my gas, they charging me two more cents a gallon than there were yesterday, and people are griping. They don't understand when you're in that business, you've got oil in the ground, gas in the ground, in the tanks underneath your, your, uh, your gas pumping machinery. And you had to pay X number of dollars for that when it went in the ground. But it doesn't matter if it goes down a bit, little bit at the pump today, if the experts are saying because of this and because of that, in two weeks it's going to be much higher because of that. They're going to have to buy that oil in two weeks, and they know it's going to cost more in this situation. So they have to raise the price. Biden didn't, doesn't get that, does not get that. If he would convince with authority that his administration was going to embrace these policies to get, even if it's on a temporary basis, but a long-term temporary basis with a phase-out, including the fossil fuel companies, let me, let me just mention this. They pretty much do a pretty good job of making energy available to the American people because they're experts at it. Don't you think... If this administration, if any administration moving forward would sit down with these energy company CEOs and operators and said, look, we need to do a 10-year plan and we need to work together on this 10-year plan. Why create something from scratch when you've got these massive, very, very powerful and very wealthy energy companies out there already that if you would open up the door and say, we want to work together with you. What would it take for you to get oil flowing again right now? And then make commitments that you're going to keep. Overnight, the price of oil at the pump would begin to go down. Instead, folks, in Louisiana, where I live, we're looking, I promise you, by Thanksgiving, 5 to $6 a gallon for gas. If we don't get more production coming in here and he's tried everywhere and anybody that'll talk to him I guarantee you they would blackmail him and it would be even worse than it is right now and what we expect it's going to be Joe Biden is a feckless leader and we're, we're, we're looking at two more years with the Joe Biden presidency OMG <laughs> buckle in folks Welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order? Yeah, I'll have a pre-meeting pump-up, a Monday fixer, and a screaming boss recovery. So that's one peppermint mocha, one McCafe frappe, and one fruit smoothie? Yep. Name your drink. McDonald's has it. We're your destination for those special flavors that help you get through your day. Get any small McCafe smoothie, frappe, shake, or espresso drink for only $2. Even the delicious new peppermint mocha. For a limited time, price and participation may vary. Playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat up to 180 times per minute. And in the end, 
you lose up to three litres of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game. Gatorade works with no artificial colours or sweeteners. Hi, Tom Bodet, quote, checking in on my smartphone. Everyone's checking in nowadays at airports, restaurants, appointments with certain medical specialists. Seriously, people, TMI. Anyway, thanks to the Motel 6 mobile app, you can book a clean, comfortable room at Motel 6 on your smartphone and get a great rate. Then when you get to Motel 6, you can check in after you check in. Your friends will be totes jealous. I'm Tom Bodet for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. I pass through the trees. I leave behind the mountains. I weave in the air. I fly over the birds. And I wish when I complete my journey, I leave behind a better world. Honda Civic Hybrid, India's first hybrid car with IV Tech engine. Leave behind a better world. Is the insanity making your head spin? Okay, let's sit down and figure this out together. Again, Dan Newman. Yeah, our heads are spinning and we're trying to figure it out. It's just it's sad because we have a leader that refuses to listen to anybody other than those in his inner circle. God only knows who all is in Joe Biden's circle. <laughs> but I got to tell you, whoever's given him the advice on which he's acting is not doing the nation any favors. Let me just quickly transition away to something that uh, is very important. You may not have heard this because mainstream media is not really covering it. That's a shock. On October 3rd, three days ago, the New York Times published an article by reporter Stuart Thompson, and the title was How a Tiny Elections Company became a conspiracy theory target. In the article, he claimed that election deniers, I I hate that term, election deniers, were targeting a company named Conic, a Michigan election software firm with just 21 employees here, and had developed a theory with threadbare evidence. He's alleging this, the writer in the article. Very little evidence that that company, Conic, had ties to the Chinese Communist Party and had given the Chinese government backdoor access to the personal data of about 2 million poll workers here in the United States. So, Thompson, in his article, suggested that such beliefs were ridiculous. Anybody suggesting there was validity to those election tampering claims or giving data information on people involved in our election process to China. Anybody that would believe that is simply an election denier who is spinning conspiracy theories. Well, the next day, two days ago, on October 4th, the New York Times published another article from Thompson, and it was titled, Election Software Executive Arrested on suspicion of theft. In that article, Thompson reported that Eugene Yu, the CEO of Conic, had been arrested under suspicion of theft after U.S. user data was found stored in China. Exactly what those 
quote-unquote election deniers that Thompson had derided claim was going on. Of all places, this popped up in Los Angeles County. So that infamous district attorney there, George Gasson, commented on the situation saying this, data breaches are an ongoing threat to our digital way of life. When we entrust a company to hold our confidential data, they must be willing and able to protect our personal identifying information from theft. Otherwise, we are all victims. So in a statement from the company, Connick, a spokesperson said, the company was attempting to learn the details of what we believed to be Mr. Yu's wrongful detention and that it stood by recent statements it made in a lawsuit defending its handling of user data. Any L.A. County poll worker data that Connick may have possessed was provided to it by L.A. County and therefore could not have been stolen as suggested, the spokesman said. Well, the problem is not that they gave it to you. The problem is, apparently, you gave it to the Chinese Communist Party. L.A. County, therefore, could not have been stolen as suggested. That's what he said, the guy in the company. Just wanted to point this out. This is just one more, one more, one more case of all the people around the nation that say there was no voting irregularity, there was no fraud in the 2020 election. It seems like every other day another story comes out and it's another 10, 20, 30, 40, I don't know if that's thousands or millions of illegal votes were cast and it's been confirmed in various states over and over and over again in the U.S. But if you mention it, the New York Times calls you an election denier. When they miss one, (laughs) they don't call themselves election deniers. And that's another thing we just need to, I'm just going to mention this and we're going to move on. We've got an election coming up in just a few weeks. Are you concerned at all about the validity, the veracity? Do you feel a sense that your vote's going to count and no other illegal vote is going to cancel yours out? I don't have that. It's sad to say, but in the United States of America, more than half of Americans believe that there is voter fraud and that it always has been there, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. I've got, I've got so many things I want to share with you today, and not just my opinion, but to get your opinion at any time. You give us a call. You, you square in with us. 1-866-37-TRUTH. 1-866-378-7884. Love to hear from you. Um, you remember going back down to Florida and Hurricane Ian? Ian, it's hard for me to start the pronunciation with E when there's an I there. It should be Ian, like Ivan, but it's not. Hurricane Ian. And uh, there's been so many first responders in Florida that actually saved, we don't know how many, but I would say at least several thousand lives, people that were underwater literally sitting on tops of roofs, hiding, waiting for help to come. One of those people was that Coast Guard guy. He got a lot of public attention. In fact, the President of the United States lauded him. But then 
Over the past week or so, we've been hearing what's just ahead regarding members' numbers of our military. And every branch of the service is struggling, with the exception of the Navy, which I was surprised to hear this. The Navy, they have made their objective for getting members joining the Navy for the year, this fiscal year. They're the only ones that have, in fact, uh, U.S. Army said they're down 15,000. To make it all total, it's about 32,000 shy across our military of what we need to be able to continue to have our military protection the way it always has been. Very few people are talking about it. But this one guy that actually saved a couple of people's lives made national headlines. He's about to be kicked out of the Coast Guard because they would not accept his religious exemption from getting a COVID-19 vaccination. So the understanding is there are probably close to 40,000 of those people that are going to be kicked out of the military between now and the end of the year. Another great news interview early, early this morning on Fox News. John Kirby, Admiral John Kirby, you remember him for years. He was the Pentagon spokesman. He was an admiral in the Navy. And he got a promotion. He went to the White House, and he's a spokesperson for the National NSA. And uh, Brian Kilmeade, this morning early, got on John Kirby. They talked about several things, but at the end of the segment, Brian steered him away to this thing we're talking about now. This is the chief spokesman for the military happenings in the White House, John Kirby. Listen to this back and forth between Brian Kilmeade and the Admiral. Admiral, uh, the other major story uh, is the amount of uh, men and women in our military that have been forced out because they won't get vaccinated for a pandemic that the president said is over. In case you don't have a monitor there, let me just read you some of these numbers. Uh, almost 9,000 Marines, four, almost 4,000 Air Force members, 2,632 Coast Guard, who the president just heralded for their incredible work in Florida, 19,460 total active service men and women. You as an admiral who knows what it takes and the sacrifice you make to join the military, to get kicked out like this, can you possibly talk some sense into this White House to reverse policy? Well, I'll tell you, Brian, I mean, and we, you, know, you and I have talked about this quite some time over the last year or so. Uh, the vaccinations are a, a valid military requirement. You want your troops to be ready. And part of being ready is being healthy and not being able or not having the ability to infect your unit and to make their unit readiness uh, any worse than it is. Look, I'm talking to you from home here because I'm wrapping up my own uh, bout with COVID here but over the last 10 Admiral days. Exactly. I'm not going to the Admiral, exactly. I don't want to get But listen, uh, just to blend in the military and the science, we all know that this vaccine does not address any of the variants we're currently experiencing. So therefore, there's minimal positive to getting it now, which is why you guys don't even talk about it to invest in our people and train them and then dismiss them for experimental vaccine is folly when you can't recruit. Every one of your branches can't recruit their threshold, yet you're kicking out good men and women. How do you explain that? Well, look, Brian, first of all, the Navy did make their uh, recruiting goals for enlisted personnel this year. Yes, it's a tough recruiting environment. We recognize that. 
Uh, but it's also you have a requirement to be healthy to be able to serve. And this is a valid military requirement. It's a, you really it's a think so? order to get the vaccine. And, and look, even even if it doesn't prevent you from getting COVID, I'm double boosted. I got it myself here just the last That's your week decision. So. It, made, it makes the symptoms a lot less right. severe. It gets you back on, on duty. So it's uh, worth kicking out health, the healthiest people in our country who are already sacrificing. You're, it's worth kicking them out? Brian, Brian, we would rather not lose anybody, of course, uh, to the vaccine. We'd rather not lose anybody uh, from a retention perspective to have them leave the service earlier than they wanted or we wanted them to. Right. But it's a valid military requirement. No, it, no, it isn't. This is an experimental vaccine that just came right. off the shelf. Right. You know it's not valid, right. and in the, it's risk our national security. Right. Admiral, you are a military no. officer. You could talk sense into right. this White House. I, I was a military officer. That's why I'm telling you that, that vaccines are common for you. You can't even join the military without taking about a dozen or so vaccines to make sure that you're healthy so that you can you can contribute to the unit's success and readiness. We don't want to lose anybody to the vaccine. You're losing 20,000 or not. We don't. But but Brian, you, you got to have a healthy force. This is a valid health requirement. Health is is central to yes. our readiness for, as a military it's unit. Just, and you're not just, it's right, not just Admiral, about you. We, we're going to have to go, but it's unit. just hard because we, we talked about this amazing hero who's in the Coast Guard and he rescued someone who could potentially drown um, down there in the Fort Myers area. Yeah. And now he's Back getting home. kicked out. Exactly. And so that's just, it's so hard as Americans to know that that person wouldn't be saved if he weren't working right now. Right. And in 30 to 60 days, he's going to be kicked out. So he saved a life and all of these military men and women have saved so so many lives over the course of their training. So it's just really disheartening to see that for religious reasons, when they don't get a vaccine, they're going to get kicked out. But right. Admiral, the vaccine, thank you. For the vaccine itself helps, helps save lives, too. All right. And, and, and is it worth it, you losing 20,000? We would rather lose nobody, Brian. But it's a valid military requirement that oh, helps unit readiness. Valid. That's the important thing you got to remember. That's a storyline that was created in the Biden administration. Hey. When you get these network reporters and they want to talk to you about why the military is forcing their members to get vaccinated, here's what you do. Here's what you say. You talk about vaccines. You don't talk about COVID-19 and its vaccine. You talk about the package of vaccines. Oh, we got to have everybody vaccinated so they can be ready for anything that comes up when they're in the military. And it's no big deal. This is just moving forward and increasing the number of required vaccines for military members to one more. What's the big deal? They're getting about 12 right now, and they are denying the negative stuff, which, by the way, is absolutely real about all three of the COVID-19 vaccines and all of the boosters. There are reputable doctors in our own government that are saying we got a problem with the COVID-19 vaccines. There's a lot of stuff that's happening that was unexpected. And there are a lot of people that really shouldn't have been vaccinated that are still today experiencing horrible issues medically that obviously came from these vaccines. And we're seeing this happen like we've never seen before. And so what does the Biden administration do? You just heard the Biden administration. Admiral John Kirby, telling us what their policy is. In other words, we're going to be down almost 20% of our military readiness that we need to have across all of our military branches. 
at the end of the year because they're kicking these people out because they won't get vaccinated. Sounds to me like another really smart Biden plan. (laughs) Uh, There aren't many of those. As a matter of fact, you look back on what's happened in 18 months on his watch, there hadn't been a lot of good things happen at all. Oh, by the way, he's got a lot of money, gave people money, spent money, billions of which was, we know, taken in fraudulent activities, which meant there was no plan in the Biden administration when they started sending all this money out. That's just one more little thing. In the meantime, our Department of Justice is 100% weaponized now against the American people. I've got that for you next. In a world gone mad, telling the truth is a bold move. Your anchor in this sea of chaos is TNN, the Truth News Network. We may not be able to lower the cost of gas, but we can do something about how many miles you will drive per gallon. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store today and let us help you increase the performance of your car or truck. Simple things like replacing your air filter, changing worn-out spark plugs, and using fuel injector cleaner can add up to better fuel economy and big savings. There's an O'Reilly Auto Parts store close to you that has the name brands, low prices, and people who can help. Restore lost fuel economy and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts by two and get one free. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner quickly cleans clogged injectors to increase fuel efficiency and help your vehicle run smooth. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner, buy two, get one free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply, see store for details. Little Caesars Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring six forty nine in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesars. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesars Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just six forty nine. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. Before we end this hour coming up, we got a lot of things to get into. Election stuff around the corner. There is a lot of election news, things that uh, you may not have heard about. So make sure you stick around for the rest of the show. If you have to leave, do not forget, you don't have to miss any show. Our shows are captured and they are presented not as live, but as a podcast. And gosh, it's iHeartRadio, it's Spotify, it's Google Podcast, it's Apple Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now even Amazon. Pick up the show, TNN Live, and carry it, and they all get it, and they go live with it just minutes after the show is over live. So you can go back and get every one of them. Don't miss any. And by the way, you got friends out there, tell them to join us, to take a listen. We'd like for them to listen in as well. I don't know if you heard Yesterday, I did a bit, uh, an update on the Oath Keepers trial up in Washington, D.C. 
our friend and one of our correspondents, Steve Baker, is there in the courtroom live, and he's giving me daily uh, information about what's happening in the court. Yesterday, I was talking about it a little bit, and we have access because we stream the program live, and it goes out of the United States via satellite and in uh, Seattle live to 92 other countries. So we know there are people that are listening in. At one time, actually right before the Ukraine war started, we had had for two years about 800 Russians, students at the University of Moscow that were required to listen to this show at least one day a week. And then one day a week in class, they would discuss the conservative perspective of political happenings in the United States. The day before the Ukrainian war started, all of those Russian emails, those addresses of those computers that were downloading our show, disappeared. They all left. So there are people around the world that listen in, and it's sometimes very important people. The reason I brought that up is we see live the IP addresses on every computer on which this show is being listened to. Yesterday, (laughs) when we started talking about the Oath Keepers trial in Washington, D.C., two minutes later, bam, it popped up. Two computers from Langley, Virginia had logged in. What's in Langley, Virginia, you tell me? The CIA. Now, does that mean anything? I don't know. It may have just been some people at home in Langley, Virginia listening in. If they're government computers that were listening, I guarantee you we couldn't track down and get you the addresses on them. And it's not a big deal. I'm just telling you a lot of people are listening. And a lot of it has to do with what's going on in our uh, law enforcement, our uh, protection department of our government. Basically, I'm talking about the Department of Justice. We hear these horrible things that are happening to people around the United States. Most of the time, it's not given out in advance, but we hear after the fact these large groups of FBI workers, agents storming people's homes, dragging them out in the streets, armed, scaring them to death, and it just continues to grow. Another one has happened. In a press release announcing charges yesterday, the Department of Justice said 11 individuals that they went, they stormed, guns drawn, and went and arrested 11 individuals. Why? They violated the freedom of access to clinic entrances. That's called the FACE Act. During a 2021 protest, in which they, quote, engaged in a conspiracy to prevent a Nashville area abortion clinic from providing and patients from receiving reproductive health services. I even got the names of the 11. Chester Gallagher, Heather Idoni, Calvin Zastro, Coleman Boyd, Caroline Davis, Paul Vaughn, Dennis Green, Eva Eld, Eva Zastro, James Zastro, and Paul Place. So the FBI, in their warrant, identified Chester Gallagher as the leader. And the DOJ alleges he utilized social media to coordinate the blockade of an abortion, otherwise known as a rescue. 
And the report says his co-conspirators and others blocked the clinic's entry doors, prevented one patient and an employee from entering. The 11 individuals, aided and abetted by one another, used force and physical obstruction to injure, intimidate, and interfere with employees of the clinic and a patient who was seeking reproductive health services. So without getting into the specifics, their charges allege on top of what you just heard, the activist used physical obstruction, and they used it to intimidate and interfere with the clinic's employees and even one patient because the clinic was providing and the patient sought reproductive health services. So according to Live Action, which is an online news agency, the FBI tried to raid the home of Chester Gallagher over what they said was a peaceful protest that local authorities did not see fit to prosecute. Now here's the conundrum in this. Multiple times we've seen these attacks by the FBI and the Department of Justice on people like this. And they're being attacked by the FBI when in these cities around the nation, the local law enforcement people, when they're involved in it, they see it, they know what's going on, and they look into it. There's not enough evidence to even challenge what happened. So why all of a sudden has the Department of Justice decided to pick up the gauntlet on these types of events, I can tell you why. It's because they, and who are they? The Biden administration, Joe Biden. They are doing everything they can to pressure conservative ideals and those that espouse conservative ideologies. And it's not just about abortion. It's about a whole spectrum of things that are known to be conservative policies. People that get vocal about those things need to be stopped. And what's happening is Merrick Garland's DOJ, they have garnered so much power in this administration that they don't care about it. Yesterday I mentioned, and this was one of the reasons the Langley, Virginia IP addresses popped up, what's going today, going on today in Washington, D.C., that trial of five of the Oath Keepers that are alleged by the FBI, they were arrested, have been in jail for 18 months. 18 months. Listen, these Oath Keeper guys, and do you know where they get their name? Do you know anything about them? These are former military members, and therefore they swore an oath to protect and defend our nation. And when they got out of the military, they see what's happening and they want to continue to honor those oaths that they took to be members of the military and to do anything and everything they can to make sure the rule of law is being used across a spectrum. So we started talking about it coming up there. Our correspondent, Steve Baker, is in the courtroom live with these five being um, tried at the exact same time. I was going to tell you what's happened to several of these during 18 months. They get to do one shower a week. They can't cut their hair or their beards. They get 20 in 24 hours. They get about an hour to go outside and even see the sunshine. And they're hardly allowed to speak to their attorneys or their family members. 18 months. 
Now, one would think that these guys were guilty of all kind of stuff. They're charged with a lot of stuff, but it's going to be, and it looks like it's going to be very similar to what we've seen happen. Hundreds of people arrested, and the ones that are charged and actually go to trial or they are forced to make some kind of deal to get out of anything that's really serious. Most of them are being charged and convicted or pleading convicting, pleading to pleading, uh, pleading guilty to being in a place, a public place where they're not supposed to be and they're misdemeanors. But at this place yesterday, FBI agents arrived with guns drawn, and this is at Gallagher's home. Since Gallagher was out of state at the time, the agents also tried to gain information on his whereabouts from his neighbors. A majority of these defendants, of these 11, could get up to 11 years in prison, according to the Department of Justice, their announcement, if convicted of the offenses the seven conspiracy defendants each face up to a maximum of 11 years in prison, three years of supervised release, and fines of up to $350,000. The remaining five face a year in prison, one year of supervised release, and a fine of up to $10,000. The indictment? Well, it had to be approved by a federal grand jury after the FBI raided the home of pro-life activist Mark Houck last week as his screaming children watched in horror over charges related to the same FACE Act stemming from an incident in which Houck, a pro-life guy, shoved, allegedly shoved, a 72-year-old abortion activist who was escorting women into a Planned Parenthood clinic. Houck's family maintains that the man had been harassing his 12-year-old son. Now, let me, let me just tell you this. This is happening over and over and over again. The, the DOJ crackdown that I was referencing that I hadn't told you or said anything about it today was that group of people out in Beverly Hills, a private lockbox company, which is very prominent, especially in big, big cities where you don't want to keep stuff in a lockbox at your bank, or you don't have a bank account or your bank account. You don't, uh, your, your bank, you're not comfortable. They'll keep your private things private. So a company opens up a private company that does just that. There's one in California there in in uh, the Los Angeles area that is very prominent at taking care of that. And people keep things like jewelry, um, important documents. They'll keep money, cash, in those lockboxes. And so the FBI does just what they did that we just told you that story about in Tennessee. They walk in with a warrant and they raid the place. And they opened every lockbox in the place. And they took the contents of every lockbox in the place. Now, the warrant, to get a federal warrant to go do something like this, it has to include the application for the warrant when they go to the federal judge. It has to include the details of what they know or reasonably suspect specific things in these lockboxes and where they got that 
ability to suspect with some confirmation that these are really, really truthful things. And they have to present that to a judge. We're hearing over and over and over again. None of these things include the exact details. Matter of fact, the raid on Mar-a-Lago, we know for a fact now that the application for the warrant to be able to do what they did, it was very vague and did not legally include the information that is legally necessary to be included before a warrant is issued by a judge. What does all this mean? It's the politicization of the American Criminal Justice Center against us. And it's happening. And it's going to continue to happen on this president's watch. I promise you. And don't expect that it's going to diminish in any way. How do you think I can say that? Well, think it through. What's going on right now in the nation? What are we looking at that's just ahead? A midterm election. A midterm election. All of these actions by the FBI, these storming in with guns drawn, arresting people in the streets, often have alerted CNN, MSNBC in advance, and they're there to video what's going on. I'm telling you, it's got to be a scary thing when they come to your house and just knock your door down and come in and grab you, tell you you're under arrest. They're scaring conservative people. That's the purpose. What message they're sending is we're in charge. We're controlling all of the operations of the federal government. And you, if you have any kind of dissonance with us, our policies or anything we're doing, and you're very visible at all about with what you're saying or doing, we're going to come take control of you and pull you off the stage. And they're doing it more and more and more. And it's not going to let up. And it's all pointed towards intimidation for this upcoming midterm election. I promise you that's what's going on. Coming up election. What's going on out there? If you listen to any of the so-called legacy media outlets, the ones that have been around a long time, you know the traditional ones like ABC News and NBC and CBS and CNN and MSNBC, even some of the other networks that are just kind of on the edge. If you listen to them, folks, if you listen to them, everything's cool. The Biden administration, they're doing a great job. And if you listen to Nancy Pelosi, day before yesterday, she announced she is confident that Democrats are going to hold the House of Representatives in the midterm election. She says that while a lot of other experts say, um, well, you know what? <laughs> We're going to lose 50 to 60 seats. 50 to 60 seats. And the House Speaker says, uh-uh. We're going to win. Most people look at that and say, ah, everything I see going on in the world and everything I hear and talking to friends and uh, fellow co-workers... I don't see that happening. I don't see how Democrats have an even slim chance of holding control in the House of Representatives. There are so many opinions out there by the so-called experts about it. 
I don't know who to believe. I don't. All I can say now, and I, I urge you to do this, share your ideas about the candidates that are running for offices that directly impact you. That would be your local, state, and of course federal officials that are running for election and re-election. Prayerfully look at all of them. And don't just look at them for yourself. Talk to people and give them your opinions and why you feel the way you do. They may disagree. They may get in your face. That's okay. This is the United States of America. I know they don't believe this, but uh, there is a First Amendment. You have the right to talk to anybody about anything. And if they don't like it, they can turn around and walk away. Facts are facts. And people need to know the facts. And when those facts are presented and it's known that an opinion is wrapped around those facts, that's an even better conversation to have. But don't be intimidated. Don't be. Pollsters, they're all over the place. Experts, they're all over the place. We're going to bring some of that home. That's up next at TNN Live. Duncan is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at Duncan with our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold, cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices. And there's more pumpkin for you to love, like the delicious fall classic, our pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. That's how we pumpkin at Duncan. Sip into the fall season with the new pumpkin cream cold brew or pumpkin spice signature latte. America runs on Duncan. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. ABC Tonight, it's all about big cash. Here we go! And big crash. <laughs> On the new season of Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, one star will spin it. Give me the money! To win it all. A big winner of $1 million. Then, host Leslie Jones is off to the races on Supermarket Sweep. On your carts! Get set! Yeah. And we're going to need a cleanup on every aisle. You are on fire! It all starts tonight, 8, 7 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Dinner, dinner, dinner. Every day you have to think of what's for dinner. Well, now Subway has a solution that is sure to please every person you have to feed for that last meal of the day. It's called Dinner Tonight. Every day after 4 p.m., Subway is offering a Dinner Tonight special, which includes two regular 6-inch subs, two bags of chips, and two 21-ounce fountain drinks, all for just $11.99. This offer is available all day long on Sundays. Subway of Kodiak. Eat fresh. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And my computer career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. Violence, screaming obscenities, heated arguments, angry crowds, roller derby? Nah. Election season. And your voice of calm is truthnewsnet.org. I'm not sure that mine is a voice of calm, but what Pete Moss had to say there was, yeah, it's pretty applicable. I mean, we just we just gave you examples of the FBI storming people, uh, guns drawn, arresting them, and then we don't hear very much about the details of the arrest until later on. And almost everybody that has 
been arrested that their case has been resolved on the January 6th stuff, almost every one of them was charged with a misdemeanor. Very few felonies there. Does that mean bad things that weren't done on January 6th? I know they were. But the left has weaponized it. Even members of Congress in testimony, January 6th committee, I've heard them say several times that five or six Capitol Police officers were killed that day. No Capitol Police officer was killed that day. The only person that was killed that day was Ashley Babbitt, who was in the Capitol illegally, but she was not armed, a former military member, by the way, and she was walking away from stepping over into one section She hadn't intimidated anybody. She wasn't threatening anybody. And the video, what? We all saw it. A Capitol policeman over her left shoulder shot her from behind. And his shot hit her in the neck, busted an artery, and she bled out on the floor. That Capitol policeman wasn't even arrested. And and the coroner in Washington, D.C., official cause of death for Ashley Babbitt, homicide. Nothing was done with that. So all of the stuff we're hearing is totally partisan. And I call it thuggery because it's all politicized. I got to be honest with you. I'm sick of the politicization, the weaponization of everything in politics. We just need to have a government that was structured like it was established and it would be structured the same way today that the government is issued by the people, for the people, and it's government of the people. And yeah, what we're seeing today is government of the people, but it's not the people, it's some people. And we've got a chance to weigh in on that coming up in November. Yesterday, several people got together and began to discuss it. One of them, Newt Gingrich, he obviously understands a political system, and he understands how hard it is for conservatives to get in a controlling situation in D.C. because of the clamp on the process seems to have been grabbed and held on to for a long time by the left. But what's going to happen in November? What's going to happen in the elections? I think the Bidens probably thought they were going to make billions of dollars. There are hundreds of data points that Joe Biden was acting in In a capitalistic term, I would say the chairman. He's a figurehead. He shows up at meetings, shakes hands, advises, you know, has faith in his team. Effectively, that was Joe Biden's role in the Biden family business ventures and uh, around the world. And that was Hunter Biden's former business partner, Tony Bobulinski, sitting down with Tucker Carlson for a tell-all interview about the president and his son and their influence peddling. Bobulinski also said that FBI altered history in handling Hunter Biden's laptop right before the 2020 election. This as conservative group America First Legal sues the FBI, alleging the bureau covered up communications with big tech companies on censoring that Hunter laptop story. Joining me right now is former House Speaker and Fox News contributor Newt Gingrich. He's the author of the book, Defeating Big Government Socialism. Great to see you, Newt. Thanks very much for being here this morning. Good to see you. First, a word on this. It's great to be with you, all of the stories sobering. It's unbelievable. A word on this Hunter Biden story and the big tech cover-up, the collusion between uh, this administration, the FBI, and and big tech. Your thoughts on what we're hearing from Tony Bobulinski? Well, I mean, everything we've heard about the way the Hunter Biden laptop has been handled 
uh, every effort to explain what the various terms like the big guy mean, you have purely and simply, historians will conclude, the most corrupt president in American history. You have basically a crime family, uh, and you have them dealing with foreign governments. In Ukraine, uh, the mayor of Moscow's widow, who sent $3 million, uh, Russian influences, Ch massive Chinese influences. I mean, that's who's in the White House. And I think we have to be honest about it. And the Justice Department has been corrupted by the left and has refused to take seriously crime on the left while grossly exaggerating uh, threats on the right. But, but, you know, Newt, this could not be more important with regards to the safety and security of America. I mean, Joe Biden has to deal with the Chinese leadership. We know that the CCP already has made its stated goal obvious, that it wants to overtake the United States as the number one superpower, that it has been stealing intellectual property for decades, that it has human rights abuses throughout. And yet this president has taken in money from Chinese officials tied to the CCP. How is is he sure. not compromised? <clears throat> well, he is compromised, but remember, so, so are a number of billionaires, so are a number of the big tech corporations, uh, so is the National Basketball Association. I mean, the fact is, Chinese communist money used intelligently is corrupting America, undermining our capacity to remain independent, and having an effect on our media, on our politicians, and on mass, and on some of the biggest donors in the country. Uh, and I think that this is a huge long-term national security problem. Do people understand this? Is this going to be a reason to vote Republican, not to mention the economic issues? The national debt is now more than $31 trillion for the first time in history, Newt. And there is no evidence whatsoever that the Democrats are going to stop the spending. In fact, uh, Mike Turner, the congressman from Ohio, was with me on Sunday, and he said there was a reason that they did a continuing resolution uh, only up until December 16th. The government will run out of money again December 16th, forcing them to do another spending package which he says will be the wild, wild west of spending for the Democrats because they're going to jam in everything they can because they know that they're going to lose the gavel. Well, look, I, I think that's probably true. The Democratic Party has become a gigantic left-wing machine, <coughs> sort of a Tammany Hall for the whole country. They need the money to pay off their allies. I mean, if they don't take money from the taxpayers and give it away to special interests, they're not going to survive. So my guess is they'll do all they can. My hope is that Republicans in the Senate will slow everything down enough that we can get to January 3rd. And I think Republicans ought to go back to a balanced budget. We did it four straight years when I was speaker. You can balance the federal budget. You can pay down the national debt. Uh, you can get, which by the way, will be the biggest single thing you can do to end the inflation cycle and is the kind of thing that would make America economically much healthier for the future. So what are you expecting from the midterm elections, Newt? I know that you've said in the past you think that the GOP can take the House and the Senate, even with this close call in the Senate. You sticking with that? Absolutely. I mean, polls have just come in. Uh, General Baldock's within three points of Senator Hassan, for example, in New Hampshire. Everybody thought that was a 10 or 12 point race. Uh, the experts have just said Pennsylvania is a toss up. They had said it was lean Democrat. The fact is that Fetterman is so pro-criminal that I think he's going to get beaten by Dr. Oz. In Wisconsin, uh, Ron Johnson has done a great job of exposing Mandela Barnes as so totally pro-criminal that uh, he's collapsed in the polls. I think again and again, uh, Blake Masters is pointing out that, uh, Kelly, that Senator Kelly voted against 
18,000 more Border Patrol, turned around 12 hours later and voted for 87,000 IRS agents. So he doesn't want people to protect Arizona. He wants people to investigate Arizona. This kind of stuff's going everywhere. And of course, in Georgia, Senator Warnock has run such a vicious, dishonest, personally mean campaign that I think it's uh, making people wonder about his credentials as a preacher. And I think it is actually turning into a sympathy vote for uh, Herschel Walker, who's a decent guy who had problems in his past and uh, had had a deep commitment to mental health, a deep commitment to his religious belief, and is just being smeared probably more than any other candidate in the country. So then what can happen then? Let's say the GOP takes the House, uh, takes one or two seats in the Senate, uh, which, of course, is, is still a, a, a toss-up. But, Newt, what can the Republicans do in the, in the position of power after November? Well, first of all, I think they're going to gain between 20 and 50 seats in the House, uh, and they're going to gain between three and seven in the Senate. So they'll be, they'll be in a strong position. I think on January 3rd, they lay out a series of goals that the American people want. Uh, they stick to those goals. They slow the process down. They force President Biden to confront again and again that he's not going to get anything unless he agrees to some of these goals. And they just have to be very tough. Uh, when, when, when we negotiated with Bill Clinton, we got his attention. He decided he had to work with us. And the result was he signed welfare reform, Medicare reform, FDA reform. Uh, he uh, signed four consecutive balanced budgets. Uh, those things didn't happen because we made nice nice. They happened because he concluded it was the only way under our Constitution that he could govern. And so how did Donald Trump get to where he was in the eyes of most Americans, he was loved. It's because while he was campaigning, he presented a plan, a comprehensive plan that covered every spectrum of life for the American people. And so people that liked that, they voted for him. Novel idea, huh? They liked what he said. But the problem is, in history, very few national election uh, candidates will do what they promise to do when they're campaigning if we'll elect them. And that was kind of a pleasant a pleasant aside from politics for the American people to have a president like Donald Trump that actually did the things that he said he was going to do. You just heard former Speaker Newt Gingrich say that what needs to happen is all of these candidates, all these conservatives, these Republican candidates that are running, and they're running on things that they're going to do if they're elected, they need to, when they get elected, they need to do them. And it can be done. And it should be done. The American people are just tired. Tired of this same old thing over and over and over again every day. We're hearing the screeching, the crying, the shouts against everybody and everything that's conservative by the hard left. There's a huge number of people that are vocal, and that's the key. That's the difference between liberals, leftists, and conservatives. Most conservatives feel like we live in an oppression, oppressive environment politically, and that this administration is not enforcing laws, and in fact is going after innocent people and charging a bunch of innocent people 
to make a statement for votes coming up in November to get people to be afraid of the Department of Justice, to be afraid of this president. I know that's tough to hear, but I'm open to another suggestion, the cause, the purposes of what this administration is doing and what they're allowing to be done. The American people see that. I trust the American people. And in large part, Americans don't trust this president of the United States. He's doing what he promised he was going to do when he campaigned. I mean, canceling XL pipeline permit. He promised to do that. He promised to do a lot of other stuff and still got elected. We need to look at everybody that's running for every office and make definitive facts be the determinant process of who we vote for in November. Hopefully January 3rd, when this new Congress hits the ground running, it'll be conservative. Because truth matters. You're listening to TNN, the Truth News Network. The following is an important time insensitive announcement from Staples. Now for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. Walk, crawl, or lollygag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries, was $4.79, now just $2.99. But act now. Or later, because these Staples Everyday Price Cuts will be around for a really, really long time. Price cuts like a two-pack of Scotch Magic Tape, previously $4.79, now just $2.99. And Scotch Packaging Tape, now just $2.29 for today, tomorrow, and pretty much every day till the cows come home. But don't hurry. These Everyday Price Cuts are indefinite. To repeat, these prices will last. So stop by your nearest Staples whenever it's convenient and take advantage of these normal, continuing, everyday price cuts. Thank you. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a swing. <sighs> ah! Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. I want to get to another uh, issue involving money coming up in just a moment with this president. I mean, this stuff happens over and over and over. If you're looking for a, a story to cover, <laughs> In the political scene in America, if you don't see one right now, just wait five minutes, there'll be one pop up. And they're all, it seems, to be very important issues. Before we get to the new one there, I wanted you to listen to Ben Dominic. He's he's a guy that I have a lot of respect for. He's not on a lot of news shows on television. He's very conservative. He, he, he spent some time, I guess about six months ago, where he was filling in for some of the Fox News guys. And I really like the way he's, I like his voice, but I like the way he speaks about important issues. Yesterday, Ben was asked about his opinion about the upcoming Senate races. I thought you'd want to hear this. Election Day is a little over a month away, and Senate races are tightening up across the country. 
In Pennsylvania, Republican Dr. Mehmet Oz gaining ground on Democrat John Fetterman and his neck goiter. Fetterman's been up big for months, but the race, it is now considered a toss-up. And Arizona Republican candidate Blake Masters pulling within just three points of incumbent Democrat Senator Mark Kelly, who was up by like 11,000 points just a couple months ago. And in Georgia, oh no, pro-life Republican candidate Herschel Walker battling a big October surprise with a woman now claiming Walker once got her pregnant, then paid for an abortion. So could that alleged scandal cost him the seat, Republicans, and the Senate majority? All right, here with me tonight, the spectator editor-at-large, Fox News contributor, and recent guest on my podcast, Ben Dominich. Welcome back, Ben. Great to be with you, Kennedy. It's a really uh, competitive situation going into the final weeks uh, headed into November. And I certainly think that all three of the races that you highlighted are really going to be decisive in determining uh, what the outcome really is and whether Republicans are able to take the Senate. I don't think that uh, Walker's going to be able to do it because I was I was watching this come out this week and I was like, OK, this is like four and a half weeks out. They've got much more on him, I do believe. And like what happens two weeks out and one week out? I think I think Herschel Walker's in real trouble. So there's there's a two sides of the whole kind of clear the field in order to become the nominee thing, which is what Herschel Walker did. You know, he had the Trump endorsement, so he didn't have to go through a competitive primary in order to get to the point of being the nominee. The downside of that, of course, is that none of this dirty laundry gets aired earlier in the cycle mm. where you could have had an opportunity to recover from it, to you know, message it, to try to work around it, to have some kind of graceful period of, of saying, you know, I've learned from my past mistakes. Instead, you have this kind of coming at the end of this very, you know, uh, fractious campaign. And I don't think that Herschel Walker is necessarily someone who has the political capability to be able to navigate the scenario. Now, ultimately, I think for Republican voters, in Georgia, they're going to be there for him. Mm -hmm. They're going to come home and they're going to support him because he's the red tie versus the blue tie. They want to have a, a Senate that's uh, run by Republicans and not by Democrats. But I think for a lot of independent voters, this is the kind of thing that turns you off. It's closer to the Roy Moore experience than sort of the Donald Trump access Hollywood experience, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and that's Roy Moore, very a Republican in Alabama, a lost to Doug Jones at the last minute. And Herschel Walker's son, Christian, coming out saying my dad is a liar. Uh, I, I don't think that, oddly enough, I don't think that helps Look, I, I think Herschel Walker's a really talented guy. He's obviously somebody who, you know, was a, an epic sports hero mm -hmm. for the people of Georgia and for a lot of other fans across the country. But I also think he's someone who is an outsider, who's never won statewide, never even run statewide before. And that really turns out to be historically a defect. So it's a real coin flip, I think, at this point when it comes to the Georgia seat. Well, I, well, we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks in terms of polling. But, but you know, some polls have him a point apart. Some even have Walker up by a point. Uh, we will see Arizona, Blake Masters, you know, again, one of those candidates that was Trump endorsed. And a lot of people wrote off because he was so far behind Mark Kelly. How has he come within three percentage points? Well, Mark Kelly is, unlike uh, Kristen Sinema, the other uh, senator from uh, Arizona, someone who's really been a lockstep Democrat vote when it comes to all of these leftist policies. He's not someone who has charted his own path or been an independent voice in any real way. And while he may have a nice story when it comes to his background and being an astronaut and that kind of thing, that only buys you so much. Blake Masters is not someone who's naturally gifted when it comes to retail politics. He, I think even he might 
admit that. He's someone who is kind of a Silicon Valley nerd guy uh, who is running in this campaign because he has strong ideological views and mm -hmm. he has the support of, of billionaire Peter Thiel, who uh, most recently is, is clearly getting back involved in this race, which I think could be a critical and decisive factor. Arizona is not a red state or a blue state. It is a purple state. And they, they and like it that way. And they, they actually, they like that Cinnamon do. digs her heels in and she doesn't toe the party line. That's why she was elected. All right, so exactly. uh, we only have 30 seconds. Oz versus Fetterman, who wins in Pennsylvania, at least at this point? You know, I actually would put my money behind Dr. Oz, and I believe that one of the big reasons for that is that Fetterman, he doesn't have, uh, I believe, the momentum behind him anymore. I believe that Oz has convinced enough people he's actually better at retail than I think uh, Fetterman is at this point, unfortunately, yeah. given his health issues. Uh, and I think that Oz is actually going to be able to deliver at the end of the day yes. in, in what could be the most decisive race that we see well, across it's, the country. Well, it's, it's going to be exciting. I don't think we're going to see everything decided on election night, but we will be there for all of it. Ben Dominich, thank you so much. Good to talk to you. Great to be with you. Great uh, input there about the real information that's important about the Senate races, the upcoming Senate races. I got to be honest with you. I think it's too close to call, especially the U.S. Senate. Maybe the House, Mike Johnson, when he was on here the last time, he's going to be on later this week, I believe, but uh, the last time he was with us, he estimated 30 to 60 seats would be taken by Republicans in the midterms. That's a, uh, that's a very, very big number. I got to say that. So meanwhile, what's Joe Biden doing? We have all these things going on. My gosh, we're looking at economic disaster for Americans just on this energy thing that Joe Biden is not fixing. As I said early in the show, he could fix it with one phone call, getting the U.S. oil company CEOs in the Oval Office to have a meeting and structure a plan to get this shortage of oil, get it resolved by our people. Instead, he's out there trying to get the strong men, Vladimir Putin, the Iranian leaders, and now the leaders in New Zealand, Nicolas Maduro, all of those three are thugs, and he's negotiating with them for oil because OPEC turned him down yesterday. But let's just look back at some of a couple of his economic decisions. He just burned more than $5 billion in our taxpayer funds on some new COVID shots that hardly anybody wants. They made the decision earlier this year before the FDA even authorized that new variant-specific bivalent COVID-19 booster. They committed to purchase more than $5 billion worth of them from Pfizer and Moderna. And now, more than a month after the shots became available, only 3% of eligible Americans have gotten in line to get one. How does that break out? Roughly 275 million Americans aged 12 and older, the age group eligible for one or both of the new boosters. Fewer than 8 million have boosted themselves since the 1st of September. Now that's coming from the CDC. This leaves over 160 million doses that have been ordered by the Biden administration that are just sitting on the sidelines waiting for demand to meet supply. 36 million of the doses have been delivered to state so far. That's according to the CDC. 
in the initial vaccine rollout here. A number of doses went bad because of lack of demand or mismanagement of the vaccines in states, while others were donated to foreign countries when they weren't being used here in the United States. The Department of Health and Human Services, the HHS, wouldn't respond to some questions about this from one leading agency. HHS also didn't address how long the doses could last before they expire and at what point doses would have to be discarded or donated to other countries if left unused. This booster, Pfizer and Moderna's bivalent booster doses, they were created and designed to target newly emerged COVID-19 variants, namely the Omicron variant, better than the original vaccines are able to. Public health officials, you heard Admiral John Kirby earlier in our show talk about the importance of getting as many booster doses into Americans' arms as possible before the winter when surges in coronavirus cases and deaths typically occur both before and after vaccines were available. So Biden's health team, they fast-tracked the authorization and the distribution of the vaccines for this very reason, they say. $5 billion order for shots was placed before the FDA even authorized the jabs while the FDA completed that process. And by the way, not a single human trial for these boosters. Not a single one. Only rodent trials. And Admiral John Kirby, just think about that. He's damning all of these military members that refuse to get vaccinated with the COVID-19. They're going to be kicked out. And the latest boosters have only been tried on rodents. The FDA claimed the shots were similar enough to the initial formulations, which the agency ruled to be safe and effective in human trials. Thus, it didn't require new human trials before authorization, which that thing they just said, it does not require new human trials before authorization. That is a fly in the ointment of what the FDA is regulated to do for new medications that hit the market. They have to be authorized. A lack of demand for these new boosters, it could have been predicted based on recent trends in vax rates. An overwhelming majority of Americans got their first COVID-19 shot. More than 90% of adults got dose one. That's according to the CDC. But the country's vaccination rate plummeted as more doses were rolling out. This administration doesn't want to talk about it, but you and I both know the real reason it happened this way. People are afraid of the vaccines for a bunch of reasons, but typically because they do a lot of really bad things to a lot of people. Millions of Americans. Only 77% of American adults completed the primary series, getting one dose of the Johnson & Johnson shot or two doses of Pfizer or Moderna. 52% got the first booster dose. Only 36% of Americans age 50 and older, those eligible for a second booster dose, got it. The most recent group that became eligible for vaccines are children under five. Oh my gosh, I cannot even bear the thought 
of an adult sticking one of these vaccines in the arm of their five-year-old child when we know that the bodies of these children fight off with natural immunity, fight off the vaccines. And then looking at the adverse reactions that have happened across the nation in such great numbers. And the CDC actually allowed these things to go out and they're being put in our babies' arms. Health officials are fighting an uphill battle. Polling shows a majority of Americans are far less concerned about the pandemic than in earlier days. Complicating matters further is Joe Biden himself, who recently declared the pandemic to be over. And of course, his advisors were telling him, don't say that. Pfizer and Moderna continue to be winners, though. $5 billion vaccine order from the Biden administration. It's just going to add to their already record profits that both Pfizer and Moderna have recorded since the pandemic began. If there is a change in Congress after the midterms, if Republicans gain control of the House and the Senate, there are a bunch of senators and a bunch of other lawmakers in D.C. that have put the word out to Alejandro Mayorkas, the secretary of, of DHS, that he's on notice for possible impeachment. Republican Senators Lindsey Graham, Ted Cruz joined forces to send a message to DHS Secretary Mayorkas that they have grounds for impeachment if he fails to act swiftly in correcting his gross dereliction of duty at the southern border. They sent him this letter on Tuesday evening. The senators compiled data produced by Customs and Border Patrol that showed that the crisis at the southern border has deteriorated since Mayorkas took office 19 months ago. This is gross dereliction of duty, and if not corrected swiftly, could provide grounds for impeachment. Despite the heroic efforts by the men and women of Border Patrol who operate with very little support from Washington, you have failed, Mr. Secretary, the letter says, to achieve any semblance of operational control of the southern border. According to Border Patrol, there have been over 4.4 million illegal crossings, including over 3.5 million that were apprehended by Border Patrol, at least 900,000 gotaways. Those are people that surveillance showed, electronic surveillance showed, were actually there, but Border Patrol couldn't get to them, 900,000. In addition to the record high border crossings and migrant encounters, the senators charged Mayorkas with enabling a drug production and smuggling enterprise by Mexican cartels, chiefly with fentanyl. He needs to go, and he can be impeached. Of course, Joe Biden could fire him, but that's not going to happen. So what is happening regarding Border Patrol stuff? The DACA program, did you hear about this? The DACA program, that's those immigrants that were brought across illegally into the country with their parents when they were underage. And there was a program created that would protect them from deportation called DACA. And that's been hanging out there. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals 
struck down yesterday DACA, saying it's not legal. Under federal immigration laws, it's not legal. More than 600,000 immigrants are currently protected by DACA, though the court said no new applicants could be accepted. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals down in New Orleans, Louisiana. Hey guys, it's a wrap on a wrap on the show today. Thank you so much for being here. Keep praying for our leaders. If you haven't been praying for our leaders, start praying for our leaders because we've got a whole bunch of stuff going on, as you know, and we all need to pull together. We've got a lot for you tomorrow, so make sure you don't miss it. Share this with your friends. We love you here at TNN Live. Have a great one. See you tomorrow. Can you ever fly to be a surprise?